allowed to start it. <laughs> well, we started. We here, a couple of snacks, a couple of cup of tea. <laughs> Winter still, isn't it? <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let me take these headphones off because that um, the echo thing. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Black Box UK. We're back. Yeah, bro. So um, basically, we. As you may or may not know, we recorded a pilot episode, um, call it episode zero, a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and we put out the feelers, we sent it to a select few, Mm -hmm. um, and got the feedback, which was generally quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we've decided to move forward with this thing, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah. um, and, and see where it takes us, basically. So there are references to, there, there are going to be references to the pilot podcast, but it's not essential listening. Um, the pilot podcast focused, um, at least for the first part, on Joel's stance on blackness. So um, you might want to go and revisit yeah, just that. To, just, just, to, just to reiterate quickly for everybody, for everyone at home, f- friends, Romans, countrymen, whoever, I. <laughs> To me, although my skin and although I'm recognised in this world socially and politically as black, I personally do not identify as black. Similarly, that my Chinese friends don't identify as yellow. My Indian friends don't identify as brown. Nor do my friends from Poland, the Netherlands, England, wherever, identify as white. They identify within their ethnic sovereignty and the rest of that is all smoke and mirrors and games and stuff to just keep people like locked down so yeah that's me all right but if you want to go more into that then go back to the pilot episode which will be available on soundcloud and itunes and all and, the rest of it and, and via can... our social media hashtag the black box uk right. and at the black box uk come find us okay so jay we've kind of jumped a little bit into the deep end without doing our introductions like we did in our pilot podcast yeah, so yeah. so let's let's start my name is Dazzler, socials are Dazzler UK, real name, government name is Darren. Um, my nine to five, if you want to put it that way, is I'm in IT. Um, I dabble a lot in other bits and pieces. I um, design websites. Me and my, my partner, we run reggaeoke. It's a reggae karaoke event. Um, I do a bit of videography on the side, put out some comedy parodies and film weddings and all kinds of things um so that's basically where i'm coming from um obviously i've had an interest in jay don't kill me blackness <laughs> from from a young age just you know growing up with a conscientious family um you know my father was quite instrumental in shaping my opinions on life and my culture and heritage um so i carried that through me into school, into university, where I got heavily involved in the African Caribbean society. Um, and I met lots of people on my journey throughout that. And, you know, that, that kind of inspired me to read certain books and just have an interest in, in certain things. Um, so, so, that, just, that, so just quickly then, Darren, so um, are, your, are your parents African Caribbean, African Caribbean, or what do you, where are your parents from? My parents are what you would call first generation, right? So that means that my grandparents, all of my grandparents, um, come from Jamaica. Oh. And whereas some of my aunts and uncles were born in Jamaica, mm-hmm. my grandparents came over here on both sides, the maternal and paternal side, and both of my parents were born in here in the UK. Oh, is it? Yeah. You didn't know that? 
No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. so your parents are the first generation in your family. Yes. See, I'm the first generation in my family. My, my mama was born in Jamaica, and my, yeah, most of my family, they were born in the Caribbean. Right. No, no. <laughs> most of my family that are here were born here, so I'm, I'm second generation. Okay. I'm second generation here. Um, so I, I guess that, that that's quite interesting. That will, in itself, shape our different... Um, Opinions, of course, and of course. outlooks on things because you're, you're you're first generation. Your mum's probably still got that uh, the Jamaican euphemisms, the the, the accent. You, you well, know? I mean, well, that's I mean, funny. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna really skew how we're doing this podcast. But yeah, my mum. Obviously, I know your mum, and yeah. I, I asked the question partly for the audience as well. But at the same time, I know that your parents and your family. Mm-hmm. I met your parents. I met your family. Mm-hmm. Strong, like Caribbean people, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know where or the story or even what part of Jamaica they're from are they from St Anne's are they from up north like I don't I don't I don't know about like your family's yeah. Jamaican roots but interestingly yeah my mum from Jamaica born in Jamaica <clears throat> came here uh when she was five six years old to the UK but yeah you're right that my mum can like you know she can she can drop back into Patois she can like you know she can cut eye and be like is lie you a tell she can, <laughs> she, 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 she can but at the same time my mum is also uh, uh, an, uh, an orator and she is a senior lecturer in organisational dynamics at London South Bank University where, and she's also one of the UK's national teaching fellows you know just to interrupt what is so funny right when how things just go full circle mm. right? as you know you know, I was involved in the African Caribbean society, and your mum, right, was instrumental in like the kind of black movement in that place. We used to sit down and go to a seminar. She used to come and support us and all kinds of things. And I had no idea for years that that was your mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's only recently. I don't know, like in the yeah. past, like three or four years, I realised that she's your she's your mum. Yeah, my mum, she is a she's a great person. She is somebody who in time more and more will be recognised within our communities, our wider communities, and hopefully uh, by the world at large for just the important work that she has done in dissecting the understanding of us in this country with our racialized identities different to our ethnic sovereignty. And so yeah, my mum has played a large part in so many uh, African Caribbean societies and society movements and even through her own remit for what she could do at her university, London Southbank University. But my brother was instrumental in his ACS in Bristol. Like, I can't, I can't lie, I wasn't. When I was at university, it was like far from my mind at the time. But yeah. That surprises me and doesn't surprise me at the same time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I'm like the prodigal son. Uh, I kind of went, I went off the beaten track for a while and a lot of people who will know me, a lot of people who will be able to look through my socials and get an understanding of me will know that I have been all around the blocks on my way back to this place where I'm at now. But how I like to categorise it was Moses lived a long time in the Pharaoh's court before he went out, saw the burning bush and came back to get his people. <laughs> God, the Jaisms, boy. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's Bro, all I'm saying. So introduce yourself. So let to... me introduce myself, yeah. So I'm Joel, aka J Brave. Uh Let's, I, let's not make it like a a a, a, a ten part. No, I ain't gonna do ten part. I'm a, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm an empath. I'm an activist. And however people want to see those, uh, dependent on what matters most to different people. I've I've often found quite interesting that people put a lot of stock and respect in 
what it is that you do and yeah. how how soon after you meet somebody like oh, so I, what do you I'll do you, I'll tell you what, what do you do so I'll tell you what happens a lot of the time when people say to me what do you do mm-hmm. I'm like I'm a human being I breathe I like to go outside into nature I like to you know I'll make an absolute point call me difficult of not telling them what I do for my nine to five someone said to me once responding to me okay I mean, what do you do for money? Oh yeah, and that's that's, that's what that's, that's, that's the, the question. Crux that's the crux of it, yeah. Because people have asked me that as well. But it's funny. There's two questions in this life. Mm-hmm. Not to segue too much from the introduction. Mm-hmm. People like to ask you, "Where are you from?" No, where yeah. you really from? Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do? And then when you say like, "No, what do you do for money?" Right. And how much money? And how often do you get right. that money? Right, right. What people right. want to know is like. They're going to rank you. Yeah. How long ago did you come from Africa and how dare you think you can get gold for your efforts? <laughs> <coughs> and, that's, and that's what it boils down to, in my mind. But but also, it's, it's a way of ranking you, you know, in comparison to themselves on the social scale. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a bin man. They, they automatically think that they're above you mm-hmm. in the scale of life. They do. And the thing is, because of that, I wrote an article uh, once uh, called The Importance of Being Idle, like named for uh, the Oasis song, which, great song. I know not really uh, the canon of music that a lot of people <clears throat> would necessarily like, kind of like opt for straight away. But there is such an importance in this life in being idle because we're so quickly put onto life's treadmill, like the little gerbils and hamsters that we are running, keeping that, that wheel moving, mm-hmm. that you forget what's actually happening in the rest of your surroundings. You forget that you're actually, while running on that wheel, your wheel's in a cage. Yeah. But people forget that, basically, because you're so busy running the wheel to keep the pace moving, you forget, where even is this wheel? So uh, I actually often like to say to people, like, yeah, I'm unemployed. Or if they say, what do you do? And I say, like, nothing, really. Like and just look them straight in the face. Because, see what they see what their yeah, reaction yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Because like in essence, you've totally you, you, you've thrown a spanner in their yeah, work. Throw, like, thrown get, at, thrown yeah. an algorithm because yeah. in essence as well, you are meant to uh, exist in a place of such social anxiety that you would never dare say something like that. Right. Because straight away it's like, oh my god, like on on life's snakes and ladders, you've gone down the longest snake from like eighty three all the way back down to seventeen or so, something. You're not meant to do that. That's what people in the eyes are like, yeah, I don't do anything really. I just, I ponder life. And it's nod and look at, look at them. And, and you can see his face is looking up at this, into the sky and, and nodding his head. Does it, <laughs> ponder what, life. Because what becomes interesting after that is invariably where these kind of conversations happen will be around the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is someone at that dinner is asking because... Not because they're interested in your answer, because they can't wait to tell everybody their answer. And so they they get, they get the game started with, oh, so everyone's here for the other side. So, so tell us about what it is you're doing in the hope that you're going to answer and go, so go on, tell us about your thing. And they go, right. Fun, funny you now should ask. my time. Funny, funny you should ask. And then they're waiting for that moment. But I, I just kind of find that so disingenuous. But what I've often found at those parties or in those kind of situations is what happens is, the person who is like, you know, like, yeah, Billy Big Bollocks, who wants to boast about what it is that he's done <laughs> with their life, invariably, the money, the power, the infrastructure of what they got was not started by them. It was started by their dad, their granddad, their uncle, You're someone, right. someone, exactly. they sucked, someone they sucked off at uni, some, some bullshit, <laughs> basically, how they got it. And so I often find it, like, to categorise it to, uh, to, to we are all at war and soldiers. These are soldiers who, like, within, within the confines of a massive army, You've raised up the ranks, but 
When have you ever fought in a gladiator pit? Are you actually a real soldier or are you a soldier because you're a soldier amongst numbers? I hear and, you, bro. And that all I said, so when I tell people that I'm nothing, what will invariably happen over the course of that evening through conversation, I will show them my mental weaponry. And then they're like, they're, yeah, you, you, you ain't, you're, not, you're not as slow as you made out, are you? And I'm like, no, far from it. Any flies on me pay rent. <laughs> just know that. Bro. So anyway, that's me. <laughs> Jay's just gone off right down another rabbit hole there, boy. So that, was an, had, that was an introduction no, to me. I said, no, I'm, no, a, no, I'm, I said I'm an entrepreneur, yeah, I'm well, an empath, and I'm an activist. Right. From within that, you choose what it is that you want to see. Beautiful. Beautiful, bro. Love it. Joel speaks so poetically. Love it, man. Well, so, thank you. So, um, Jay, do you want to like kind of summarise well, what it is that this podcast is about? Because I think you hit, you hit it quite succinctly on the head last week. Uh, I keep yeah. saying last week. It wasn't last week. It wasn't week, last week. Our last the effort. Last, our yeah, last, yeah, yeah. Our, yeah. So, which people can, as you said, go back and find if you want to. But <clears throat> to frame what we're doing here... Darren and myself, we both, uh, we grew up quite similarly. We went to the same secondary school. Our lives deviated for probably 20 years. And more recently, we've kind of come back together. We've worked together like, within that, uh, him doing the IT, me doing design and marketing with like my marketing company, him with his like, IT company. Uh, we've also like uh, speculated on some other new business ideas. We've done quite a lot, uh, a few things together, but this now, this podcast and what it is that we're trying to do here is born of how many conversations that we find ourselves having about our plight as, inverted commas, black, black men, men here in the UK. Right. Uh, and actually not only in the UK, but also our lived experience when we travel, when we go abroad, when you hop on that easy jet to, to, to the mm -hmm. continent. Or even when we go to America, to Africa, to the Caribbean, yeah. how all of the relations are are framed and how they're different because of our UK black experience. Right. So it's kind of just throwing our opinions, our our somewhat unique perspective into the mixing pot. So yeah. we, we we won't necessarily be talking solely about black issues per se, right? But our, ish, our, our perspective on a particular topic, it could be a global topic or it could be something more local, mm -hmm. will have a different framing from that of someone from a Caucasian background, for instance, or from an Asian background or, you know what I'm saying? And exactly. And again, I just want to be clear here for our audience and for you as well, from a dialectic point of view, I do understand the big difference between isolating us as black while talking about them as Caucasian and Asian. Those again right. are definite <laughs> articles. Those are both ethnic cohorts, whereas black is not an ethnic cohort. It is an identifier given to us by <clears throat> those other ethnic cohorts. I can promise you, when you watch the, that film next month, this month, mm -hmm. Black Panther, mm -hmm. everyone in Wakanda, they don't refer to each other as black. People mm -hmm. in Africa do not refer to each other as black. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of African people mm -hmm. who grew up in Africa before coming here mm. and they did not even know that they were black until they came here. And so I just want to have that on the record that we, although we are now identified as black because we are not at home per se, uh, even mm -hmm. though we have now made this our home, does mm -hmm. not mean that the identifier which has been given to us by our host yep. is our name. Yep. They chose that name. We still have our ethnic identity and we still have our own stories within that. And so, yeah, 
I do agree that we want to talk about our different perspectives, but the perspective from which I will be framing things will not necessarily be from one of black, or as in like eight lines of four billion of DNA that identify me, but more mm-hmm. from a, 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 a socio-geographic, socio-economic uh, and every other kind of perspective that actually does affect us and how we live here in this country. Agreed, agreed. So when we done the pilot podcast, we were trying to squeeze subjects into three main broad areas. And we've come to the realisation that that probably won't work because of the, the, the varsity of the subjects that we discuss. It doesn't necessarily fit neatly into each category. So what we're going to do is discuss whatever the hell we feel like discussing. But I think, Jay, the main like kind of buzz category that we're going to stick with, because that seems to be quite popular, is this week in Caucasity. Yeah. Right, and what's this week in Caucasity? Well, basically, every single week, these white people take the piss. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like the thing is, as well, what, one thing I want to say on this is what because we are, we we're making it a little bit jokey and a little bit fun, but I think this is what you have to do because if there's anything about the resilience and the excellence of our people, it is just that we can like take things in our stride with good humor, a bit of rhythm, a bit of seasoning, and then make it into the best thing. All <laughs> like, right, all right, and so similarly. These issues that we're talking about, like, they're not a joke, but, like, mm. I mean, sometimes you've got to, like, you got to take, your, take the fuse out or take your finger off the pet, like, this, wow, these, these people are really... Yeah, and so, that. yeah, so this is why we've got this section, like, you know, this week in Caucasity, where we focus on how the boot remains on our neck. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So I keep saying last week. It's not last week. Last, last episode. Time, the last. Okay, that's what I need to start saying. Yeah. Last episode. Last episode we touched on the H and M, right? So I think we will start with this week in Caucasity before we move on to the other subjects that we we we, we have in mind. Um, so let's let's talk about Stormzy first of all, bro. Do you want to? <clears throat> well, launch. I will. Well, I mean. Again, anybody who has followed my my social media journey recently will know that last year I released a Stormzy parody, mm-hmm. a, a vegan shut up. Yep. And the thing is, I did it went that. Went viral. It went viral. Like, I mean, it got a million views within six weeks. Like, no promo, no boost, no anything. Just putting it out there that man's got content, man's got bars. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, obviously, I have a lot of uh, respect for the big little brother. Like uh, mm-hmm. Michael Stormzy, mm-hmm. Big Mike, whatever whatever name people want to call him by, mm-hmm. and the influence that he is now having on popular culture and how he is going about doing it as well, because he is strong, articulate, like humorous, and I mean, this, yeah. The, you know what? The what I think about. I think the reason why he's flown to popularity as mm-hmm. well is not just because of his music, but I think people can see that he's real, he's genuine, he's not faking, you know what I mean? He's absolutely genuine and he doesn't always put across this bad boy image, you know what I mean? He's got all the different sides to a regular guy that you would expect. No, of course, exactly, because I was about to say, but within that, what you said there, that's not to say that, like, I don't know, Fecky, Krypton, Conan, anyone doesn't also fit into that, but what it is, is with regards to an understanding that the you know, mm. yeah, the white people of the country are going to mm. understand like Big Mike uses enough like uh, like idioms and colloquialisms that mm. touch on things that geezer lads and yeah. lad bible lads and like mm. you know your average girl and guy 
can touch on in a way that it makes him more relatable. You think so? Uh, I don't. I, 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 don't get me wrong. Like uh, he still talks about uh, uh, a strap and work on the block as much as the next guy. Right. But I, I just feel that there is something in his diction and even with like how sometimes he smiles when he's right. performing okay. in, the, in the different tracks that yeah. there is a that yeah that he, he's captured something that I'm finding a lot of the other artists haven't and again that's mm. not to say that I don't personally enjoy the other artists but mm. I can listen to them and I can understand why a mainstream UK audience yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. understand it because yeah. for me for example I love like real like like UK grime track. I, I like someone like Blade Brown. Now, mm. I don't know if you know Blade Brown, but I mean, he's got he's Raises got his eyebrow. <laughs> but Blade, Blade Brown's got Blade Brown's got some bars, and obviously, people who know they know basically about <coughs> some about some of them tracks of Blades. But again, he even on one of his tracks, he goes like, "I don't sell out because I don't rap like Tiny," and he, he right. says that because he knows right. he's yeah. he's talking about like yeah, on the street where the killers is where you find me, mm. and but that's what I mean. Who wants like little Johnny and Oliver and like at, at their little like you know Roman Catholic school in in I don't know in Loughborough yeah. to be listening to that? They don't, and so well, I get it. Whereas yeah. like Stormzy, even like the dance moves, like you're way too yeah, big yeah, for your yeah. boots, yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's stuff that is playing on. But anyway, that's, so, so, that's, so what happens yeah, now when when a, when you when you when you're successful in these circles, right? There's a saying: the higher you climb up the tree, the more your ass is exposed. For right? sure, yeah, yeah. So. You, you start to reach certain levels and then you've got certain facets of their society mm-hmm. that will then try to bring you crashing down. Yeah. Right? So what, what happened? I mean, we got the Daily Mail seem to have I mean, a fascination with Stormzy. They have a fa- the Daily Mail have a fascination with people of colour, really. But yeah, then right. obviously what it does yeah, is right. they, 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 they hone in. The more melanin intense it is, the more, <laughs> the more they hone in. And so, I mean, if you could have the, a, the melanin to success ratio, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it is. The melanin intensity, the melanin intensity ratio, because I mean, I would love to use like maths and algorithm to plot Meghan Markle versus <laughs> versus Stormzy, because like they're both tarred with the black brush. And again, this this goes back to my point of why like black is such a misnomer, because mm-hmm. like how can Meghan Markle and Stormzy Barack Obama and I don't know and anybody else in the world but you're all under one word you're all united basically no matter what your identity where in the world you came from you're black and mm-hmm. I'm like you wouldn't do like if all women women with big boobs no matter where in the world you came from you all think the same because you've all got big breasts it's a physical identifier it's got nothing to do with but anyway aside from <coughs> that, back to Stormzy in the Daily <coughs> Mail this week uh, or actually it wasn't this week it was last week but I mean we'll, we'll bring it forward the Daily Mail did their usual of like shoehorning a successful person into some negative story for some kind of association that makes you think, ooh. Right. So the headline that they had <clears throat> from last week or from the 25th of January was rapper friend of grime artist Stormzy, inverted commas now, is caught having sex with a prison worker, end comma, while serving life for murder. And so you think so- to yourself, what has Stormzy got Rapper to... friend of grime artist Stormzy. Yeah. How is Stormzy involved in that at all? Well, exactly. So what I did, I mean, I replied to the Daily Mail within like 15 minutes of them putting it out just to remind them that actually tenant of benefit claimant Liz Windsor is caught having sex with a prison worker while serving life for murder. Because... That's a more appropriate framing. Exactly. Like, the, the Queen of England is far closer related to people who are in 
Her Majesty's prisons. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not our prisons. Mm-mm. They're not your prisons. No, nope. they're not the prisons of the they're black people. They're Her Majesty's. They're Her prisons. Majesty's prisons. They're her prisons. So, so this guy who's having sex with a prison worker while serving life for murder, that's at the Queen's leisure, as they say. You're serving at her leisure. So the Queen's leisure activity is friends of rappers having sex with prison workers while serving life for murder. So interesting that the Queen finds that a leisure activity. I mean, that, that, that's, that's how it could be framed. Well, exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I just find that, like, yeah, it, it, it was, I felt it was almost a duty to, to, to if someone's going to throw in the poison, I've got to throw in the antidote. Do you know what? Yeah, I, I just, I wish that I could just, you know, mute any reference to the mail. I don't click on their articles. Most of the time they do this crap, right? Mm-hmm. To get clicks. Of course. But I know there is the undertone of racism. Do you remember, was it, um, was it last month they put out on their, their headline? Um, what, what was it they put about Merkel? I don't even I don't know. But I mean, I know what they're like. But I mean, we discussed on our last episode about the difference between <clears throat> Linford Christie winning medals, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, you know, uh, UK, UK sprinter. You, uh, mm. Linford, Linford Christie all of a sudden been like, you know... Jamaican it, d- drug addict yeah, or d- whatever. D- d- dubious like, as to whether or not there was like any, like, yeah, using any like uh, banned mm. substances becomes, yeah, Jamaican drug cheat. And so we just know how the narrative can be switched so quickly and easily to suit the agendas of whoever it is. And so, I mean, even with us, even with any of our people in prominence, I, I read every single story about us with a pinch of salt. Because, again, who's reporting it? Like, this is all being solidified into digital media so that it will be there forever. And what is forever? History. His story. The story that's been told to us. And you've got to remember, the only reason why anyone's on social media, even the reason why we're doing this podcast, why do people put information out there? You put information out because you want to bend the opinions of other people. Otherwise, you keep it to yourself. <laughs> you put it out there because you want other people to... This is what I think. Mm-hmm. Hear what I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe move this way. Otherwise, I, I didn't need to share it. I could have just nodded along with you. The reason why the, day, the reason why people put these stories out there. You're right. <coughs> clickbait. But it's what, clickbait. It's ultimate clickbait. And what, the thing is, we play up to it every time. People get so incensed. They get so angry mm-hmm. over these things, and it just pushes the article up in the rankings. Of course. You know what I mean? It's 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 disgusting. As I said, so I didn't, I didn't open the article. I saw that headline and as I said, I, re- I retorted to the headline without clicking on it. Yeah. I don't I don't need to give the Daily Mail any advertising money by clicking yeah. on their link. What right. I do need to do though is on their Twitter where people are then getting apoplectic and spitting feathers but not understanding what it is mm. that is driving their anger. Mm. I believe that by tweeting what I tweeted and again, it got then retweeted like countless times after my tweet and liked by so many people because they looked at it with a picture that I put as well mm. of the Queen but you, if you go through if you look through fit po- photos of any person within the first hundred photos you can find a photo where they look like a gangster or they look of mean course, they look course, horrible the course. picture that I chose of the Queen and again I'm using her as an example in this because again she she's, she's untouchable so the, I do not feel any guilt in like you know in singling out one individual here mm. because at the end of the day, everything in this country is at her pleasure. So she's on that pedestal to be name called like this. I don't make a yeah. I don't make a uh, a point of singling out individuals. But in this instance, someone who is so protected and so like, when we look even back to the Paradise Papers, 
somebody who is more complicit and more duplicitous with like uh, her finances than somebody like Lewis Hamilton. But Lewis Hamilton is the face of it, of those of those papers with his tax on his plane. Uh, but again, like you know, the Queen and the the, the Crown, they were invested in. Uh, short-term loan companies and they were putting people into debt and forcing people basically into debt very different than like you know like you know legally not paying a little bit of money on a plane which you still also bought from a british company so you, you have provided more jobs like the whole thing to me is just yeah. always interesting how certain people can be framed in one light yeah. and other people can be framed in another yeah. but yet people like you know the, the the mass audience who look at it can always be so easily duped and that is just what boggles like every single time. Like it proves the the quote that in hyper reality, which is where we live now, there is no true or false. There is only relevance. Right. Exactly. It's um it's crazy. It's, you just have to look at the agenda of these people that are putting these stories out. You know, ultimately the male just don't like sorry Jay to say it, black people. They just don't like they just don't like black people. Yeah. So they will continue to to frame stories in this way because as I said in the beginning, Stormzy in the eyes of the masses is hugely successful. So they'll do whatever they can. He's a, he's a total threat. Uh, I mean again I'm He's a threat because he talks the things them as well. He will stand up and tell them to all go and you know, in the words of Kalechi Suck your mum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and again, and, and you have to admire that because that is what galvanizes strength in other people, which is why they have to shut it down. Mm. Again, all you have to look at, and we will, we will see in time that the same tactics that J. Edgar Hoover and people in the American institutions like used in like the counterintelligence programs on people like uh, uh, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale in the Black Panther movement, you just recognize the same behaviours of how they discredit people or how one of your friends who like, you know, in essence is maybe being caught with like a 10 bag of weed, but they'll say to him, we're going to put you in jail for the rest of your life unless you give us some information on your, on your, on your, on your buddy now, or you go mm. and become like our spy. And yeah. obviously you're thinking, what, do I want to spend the rest of my life in jail? And all of a sudden you now, it, 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 this fractures communities. And again, the, the counterintelligence program and all of these different uh, uh, countercultural programs that are done to us, the people, by our governments and by these autocracies and by these multinational companies all the time. We may, we may as people sometimes think that, no, we live in a world of like, yeah, free will, choice, and everything is like, you know, it, it's just not that. And one thing I would also say as well is that Paul Dacre, the, the owner uh, and the man behind the Daily Mail, he not only hates, but he hates he hates anybody who is not in his small uh, little incestuous group of people basically he put he said that even like you know the the, the judges of our of our country that parliament is corrupt because they don't agree with Brett if he, he's got a story in his mind if you're not on that song sheet with him the rest of us are all shit and so like have no time for that but at the same time while the Daily Mail is a mess and is a horrible thing like it is not the, main... the most popular news outlet in the world Mail Online is doing like some That's crazy it. numbers. Mail Online. Because again, all they do is focus on gossip. They focus on having cameras outside your girl's house oh. waiting for her to come. It's, it's just a horrible world that we live in. It's why oh. doesn't the conversation to just talk about mass surveillance and mass media. And it all comes down to this idea of mass and like mass control. And yeah, the Daily Mail is pretty central in that mass control. 
and that's why they've got featured in this week in Caucasity. But exactly. Unusually, I think we can touch on a second um, relevant uh, subject in this week in Caucasity. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately, but mm, Justin Timberlake, do you want to touch on that? You got the well, article there, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I had, I, it's 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 a, again. This is interesting that Justin Timberlake has been invited back to perform the at the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, I'm sure people still remember him un <laughs> or revealing <laughs> Janet Jackson's like nipple because we have her naked by the end of this song. Bow! <laughs> like, and again, what? Still to this day, like you know, the mind boggles. I was seeing Janet Jackson having to explain on her social media, like, no, she's not gonna be, uh, yeah, I won't be there, I won't be nude, I won't be no, 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 no one ever said anything about Justin, it was all about Janet, basically. And like, as if the whole thing weren't choreographed, as if, like, you know, she was just like, I don't know, this the the trope again of happened to have that star around her nipple, and (laughs) and and, 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 I don't know, it's it's almost. the pictures, the pictures that they try to paint of their iconography, uh, is almost as if, like, yeah, she was the coolest monkey in the jungle, and oh, and then and uh, and I don't know, then like uh, breast rip expert Justin Timberlake comes along and hey, and everyone congratulates him and like oh he he like he like, he unchained the beast, uh, and so and so now, as if the fury of that has not just about died down there has been talk that Justin Timberlake would bring out a hologram of Prince. How did this start? Because it's, that, that, it's kind of been nicked in the bud now, right? It's, it's kind of old news now in that... It had, a, it had, it had its Twitter moment and it, I feel like as if there was a whole cloud of this over this weekend and it's already been shut. I don't know the full details. All I know is that it, this reminds me again of the Black Mirror episode, Black Museum, and this whole world we're moving into of hologram identities uh, i mean i even tried starting to watch the first episode of a new netflix show called altered carbon earlier mm-hmm. i haven't seen that uh, it's I am, i'm assuming it's going to be pretty good it's a show based on in the future mm-hmm. that our consciousness is digitized and it's Ooh, like a disc, that sounds like and a, you could black, just, that sounds like the black mirror well, what's it called, it called? Uh, it's called a uh, Altered Carbon. Okay, I'm going to And in it essence, what happens in it is that you can then put your consciousness into anybody, any any physical body. And that's the future. But the, what I'm... What, well, I mean, yeah, well, again, <laughs> it, and, it, and the thing is, and it looks it looks really good, but what worries me, mm. the more and more I watch programs like that, like Black Mirror, mm. like all these programs is, they don't, they don't pull these programs out of nowhere. But I was about to say, of course, they say the technology that we live in today is actually 20 years old. Yeah, right? I, I mean... Yeah. So... Of course, they 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 probably know how to do all that stuff already, right? They're just kind of wetting our appetite for it through putting it out in entertainment. You know what I'm saying? These things, lots of these things that they put in entertainment actually exist. Well, of course, at the end of the day, the history of mankind is the history of warfare. And for anybody who is so stupid as to believe that all of the weapons and the ideas at the end of the Second World War were destroyed by the Allies as opposed to taken into secret rooms underneath our government buildings, more for you. Because eugenics projects are still happening. Psychological warfare projects are still happening. All these things are still happening everywhere in the world. This is whether or not you choose to see it or whether or not you choose to accept 
the the the, the word of uh, inverted commas truth that people like Theresa May, uh, John Brennan at the CIA, or now laughably Donald Trump and Mike Pence want to tell you. You know that these people lie. We know that they get trapped and fall over themselves with the things that they say all the time. Like, we just live in a world where a lot of these things are already here. And so, I mean, yeah, again, we've gone a bit wide, but the hologram idea at mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong, I loved when... Uh, Pusha T and other rappers, like, you know, they used the hologram technology to almost use it as a celebration of our recently departed now right. ancestor Tupac and bring him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've done the same thing with Michael Jackson. Yeah, well, exactly. And some of those but... scenarios, again, dependent on how it has been done, I can... I can understand mm. it. As soon as we start getting to a place where somebody like Prince, who who actually, Ex while he was alive, explicitly, explicitly said he doesn't want a hologram. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And now for then an artist from a different uh, ethnic background. And again, I would argue a different genre because mm -hmm. I would say that uh, Prince makes like music and art. Mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake makes products, mm -hmm. like basically for for, for 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 like yeah for these products for people. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, he's, a, he's he's had some tunes, but he I has mean, had tunes. He, he has had tunes, but like, would I say that Pharrell made them tunes? Would I say that Timberland made them tunes? Yeah, would I, would, would, I, would, I, would I say that Robin Thicke or you could have you could have had any dude mm. with a full set of voice to jump on it and do the same mm. thing? I I would mm. I would argue, like you know that mm. not far from that, but I would say that Prince. Mm. The majority of his artwork, whether mm. it might be his music, his styling, his videos, everything, was all his creativity. Right. It was. It wasn't like I'm a performer. You lot all do the work. I will just come and take the accolades for being the face of it. Like that is what Justin did. And again, I, it's not like I even have a problem with that. I mean, this is the changing face of business. But what I do have a problem with then is if that is your business model, mm -hmm. don't come appropriating other people's right. products. When, you, especially about, when they've said explicitly yeah. that they don't want that yeah. as well. We don't want cheap imitations of products. We want art. And Justin, you don't do art. That's why, I mean, if you look at the history of who performs at Super Bowls, it's not artists, it's entertainers. Right. Because artists do not perform for 100,000 beer-swilling, hot-dog-eating mm. people who've come to see like dudes running at each other. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know, you, know, you don't go there to go and see like Raskas. You don't go there to go and see KRS-One. You go there to go and see Lady Gaga, Beyonce. And again, not Beyonce, great artist, but again, mm -hmm. she's more... She can an, perform as she's well. More, yeah, she's more of a performer and entertainer mm -hmm. than she's an artist. And I think even she would admit that as well. Yeah. Because a lot of her music... It's found like you know there's Beyonce, Beyonce is a team of which she is the face of that administration, whereas again for a lot of these other artists, you know, get up someone I would mention, Kanye West, produces, makes his own videos, in charge of his own styling, designs his because some people want to be full circle on their on their artistic endeavor. Other people are happy to be the face and get paid. Yeah, Justin's a face and get paid, and if you're a face and get paid, do not use other people's art like basically. Like jump on other people's products, basically. Get like pull out, pull out Lady Gaga's meat dress. Wear that when you're performing, bro. Do that. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Well, I don't know how it came about in the first place, um, but again, it's not going ahead now. Anyway, and it's so. not. But but again, what it does re remind me is, as I said, the Black Mirror episode of Black Museum because it is the appropriation of our digitized consciousnesses, right? Which is a a, a discussion. That I know to a lot of people is like, bruv, what are you, what are you in is that? But I'm mm. like, that's going to become so real, so soon, mm -hmm. so real, so soon. 
I remember having like conversations when I was at uni getting high back in like, you know, the 20 years ago now, uh, saying to people, can you imagine one day like when Sony will create a product? This is before there was even broadband internet, before there was space. So this, at a time when I was saying this, it, it seemed pie in the sky saying, can you imagine when there's a way that we'll be able to have a USB plug on our head and Sony will create a product called the Sony Dreamcatcher and you can watch your <laughs> watch your dreams back in the day. And people are like, oh, that was, but the, the funny thing is- Black Mirror again. From, from, from the time I had that conversation to now, that's real. <laughs> like, that's real. So many things that I discussed as ridiculous, yeah. like when I was at university, yeah. 15, 20 years on, like, not only are they now real, basically, they're, they're, they are almost redundant because things are even past that. I was talking to my own partner uh, about, like, because she was saying, like, looking looking at how people use Tinder in these, in these platforms. I said... Do you know what? In about five, ten years, people are gonna look back in Tinder and go, "Do you remember when we used to date so romantically?" <laughs> like, because it's gonna be even more. It's gonna, it's gonna be more weaponized than that. <laughs> like, basically, well, what can be more weaponized than swiping left and swiping right? Like, crazy. It, it will, it will literally be. You are gonna be in like a metal pod, like basically, and like it, it will almost be like how animal agriculture works. Like, a guy is gonna come sweeping past through the metal pod. He's gonna come like. <laughs> clap you clap you out for three or four minutes back into his thing zoom, and he's gone you never see him again basically and then you're just in your little thing like the Daniel Kalua episode of Black Mirror from season one where you're just riding oh your bike for God. credits for the next girl to come you, you got to ride enough credits to get another girl to come through the machine like jam, jam her quickly boom next one well, that have, is, we, have we got up on this tangent oh all, I, all I'm saying is that the world is scaring me a lot and holograms are a large part of it I'm telling you man all right, Jay. Now for yeah. our general topics, right? Yeah. Sorry to keep it so rigid and structured. No, we but got her because we're running. We're running over. Yeah, we're, we're we're running on time, man. We're trying to keep these podcasts between thirty to sixty minutes. Snappy, That's, snappy. Yeah, empty. yeah. I don't, do you know the meaning of snappy? Uh, yeah, it's, it's relative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Black History Month. Black History Month. Jay it's, wanted it's to been, touch on Black History it's black, Month. It's currently February. It's Black History Month in the United States. And again, similar to what we were saying with regards to Caucasity uh, and this week in it, mm -hmm. we can find some humour in this space and talking about this, but it does not dismiss the fact that there is a serious issue with the fact that we have a colour-coded month for our history, mm -hmm. which is just preposterous. It's ridiculous to me. Uh, and so, yeah, the point that I would like to make is that I believe Black History Month is created and mm -hmm. primarily should be for everybody else. It's for mm. everybody else to start recognising it because we're so marginalised mm -hmm. that our history is kind of ignored, which in many ways doesn't make any sense at all because our history is the history of the world. Right. Like the history of geology, the mm -hmm. history of the first like uh like albinos to, to out from out of Africa sixty thousand years ago mm -hmm. who then like you know went and found the you know the Caucasus Mountains and the world broke up and we have a one singular human history. All of us share DNA from one uh, mother, our most common recent ancestor from Ethiopia. And so anything outside of that fact like, basically becomes uh, people's hubristic 
uh, agenda. It's the reason why they want you to believe that their nation is this, their nation is that. But history is human history. And so the fact that we have now got to a place where we can almost brutally ignore uh, histories of different groups of people, and again, based on our social identifiers, this year is a film has come out about John Paul Getty that they're a Hollywood are making and they've been billing it as the richest man of all time, the richest man of all time. We know that he was not the richest man of all time mm -hmm. like, because relative to the economy of the country, mm -hmm. we know, historians know, uh, and anybody who will tell the truth knows that Mansa Musa, the, the king of Mali, mm -hmm in reference to the value of economies in the world at the time was the richest man to ever live. And there is an amazing story about when Mansa Musa, Mansa was the in the, in the ancient Mali empire, Mansu is uh, the word for king. So he's like King Musa. But the Mansu, when he went on his pilgrimage to Mecca, uh, and I think this is in about... I'm trying to remember. This could be in about 11, 1200 uh, 11, uh, AD. When he went on his pilgrimage from West Africa uh, in the Malian Kingdom across into the Arab Peninsula, he gave away so much gold to people on his travel that he corrupted and damaged the economies of every single nation on his path for a decade because he gave, he gave away so much gold that every single person he saw, he made them a millionaire, made them a millionaire, made them a millionaire, made them a millionaire, made them a millionaire. This was poor people, people on the street, people just walking past because he was that rich mm -hmm. that he changed the world economy singularly on a journey. Where are the stories about that? That, that could be the greatest movie of all time, but it is not put forward because we live in a world that doesn't really want to accredit like uh, ancient Africa as the people who discovered the mining of minerals, who discovered like diamonds and gold and platinums and all of these different like uh, precious metals and things that have become so prevalent and actually cornerstones of our society uh, at large. And so for me, the understanding of world history and how African history frames that is something that should be on every curriculum in every single country and should be the cornerstone, the bedrock of what we understand. And so to bring all of that then into an understanding of we have Black History Month where now, currently, as I see it being celebrated by schools and institutions and people who apparently are now the gatekeepers of our our, our history, they make Black History Month about people like uh, Lenny Henry and, uh, and and Tiny Temper and people who are, again, they deserve all the accolades, but they are modern history. Mm -hmm. They're very modern history. They have no- Do they really do that? Hmm? Is it really about like, because obviously since I started Black History in school, how many years ago was that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I don't know, I have no idea what they're teaching the youngsters in, in school. Well, I, the, thing, the thing is, it's, it, it, it feels like we need to we need to, we need to have a longer podcast to really look into the depth of the of the of the, the nature of the beast here and mm. the, the how they've like spun this. But what it is is that children as well have now such a low attention like span that a sixty second attention exactly that to make something <laughs> relevant to children in school now you have to attach it to a modern totem or right. something that will make 
young people engage with it. Right. Similarly, why the reason why I felt that to share my vegan message last year, I had to do a parody of a Stormzy song was because when I was going and talking about veganism to kids or talking to different people about it, just chat, mm. people were just like, yeah, glazing yeah, over. yeah, glazing over. As soon as I made it into like a a, a, a witty rap, people were like, yeah, and they even learned the words and started to then say back to me, oh, what does this mean? Because they learned it as a rhyme. Yeah. But then they're like, now I've learned it as a rhyme, I want to know what it means. Mm. Similarly in schools, what is happening is these young people, and obviously as well, the teachers are getting younger and younger. You've got to remember that in a class that of like, you know, our year five to year six, uh, here in the UK. So people, children anywhere from the age of, I don't know, seven to 11, the teachers who are teaching them are now invariably younger than me and you. The, That's crazy. Uh, exactly. And when we even look back to school, when we think of those, I think of those teachers as old people. Bro, that's they what were. I was saying. You they remember were. I was saying that to you? Yeah. When we were in school, when we were like um, 10, 11, 11, 12, yeah. 13, right? These like teachers were big grown yeah, people. At 25. What? <laughs> They were 25. Yeah, a 25, <laughs> a, a 25 old is, is now, like, and it, it, with no disrespect, in essence, a child to me. Like, Can you imagine? And those are the people that we're entrusting with the edu educating our children. Exactly. But what I did, And they yeah, come with their own well, prejudices. Well, exactly. And they and come the, with so their own... The, the point I was going to make is that, as well, the 25-year-olds that exist today mm -hmm. are very different than the 25-year-old teachers that we had in the mm -hmm. 1980s and the 1990s. Mm. If you think about a 25-year-old today... How you even in your you look down like, oh, yeah. like the things that they say and they're because to them as well their understanding of history is not deep. Of and course, so, it's not. exactly. They so, lack life. I mean, they've got a certain degree of life experience. Yeah, but it's not going to be you know as well formed as like someone in their late thirties. Well, exactly. You know what I mean. So now imagine that this young teacher, like uh, invariably as well, a lot of the teaching jobs, like uh, will go, and especially at that level, at primary level, will go to. Uh, Caucasian women yep. in this country mm -hmm. uh, who, again, they probably will not even have a, a full understanding of their own history. Yep. Like when, when I talk to most people that I know who are actually British here, I know more about this country, it's monarchy, it's constitutional, mm -hmm. parliament, yeah. than, than any of them know. Like yeah. they don't even know their own country. Yeah. And so then you've got to think to yourself bit by bit, even how education is is administered it has become similar to a social media experience it is about one image one block of text and that is it before the next one before the next one before the next one if you remember the, the textbooks that we would have at school one textbook would last not even a term it could be a whole year mm -hmm. and everything that you're going to need to learn is in that one book mm -hmm. now like in any given day like content and the importance and the relevance of content it's totally changed from day to day. And so these teachers, these young girls really, who at the weekends are going out to clubs and like drinking bottles of vodka in like, you know, cheap disposable fashions, but then are teaching our children like uh, in the week, like while at the same time as well. Our teachers, when we were at school, they didn't have a mobile phone under the desk to be like still mm. just in the banter, still WhatsApping yeah. their friends, mm. still looking at like memes. Teachers now in a class of like young people, they have all these external distractions themselves. So now if your teacher's distracted and they're teaching a group of people who are also now already distracted, <coughs> the food that they've been fed distracts them further as well with like, you know, the, with like sugars and like, it's, it is a recipe for, so for, for failure. Let me ask you, what is it that you want out of black history? Are you saying that black history should be discarded completely? 
Well, and, or, or that well, yes, because there is or it should that. be expanded. Well, I, I'm saying that yeah. Well, I I personally and Black History isn't just what's taught in schools as and well. What is that? Well, the thing is as well. What I believe is that back to my opening point, there is no black. So there is no black history. What is black history? Is the is the history of the people of like uh, of Namibia the same as the history of the people of Ghana? The same as the history right. of the people of Jamaica? But, okay, the so same just, as... just to play devil's advocate, right? It's a convenient label. Um, to package history and and kind of dissect it into the different cultures that come under the umbrella of black. But right? all, all I'm saying is, so what, what 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 are they to call it? If they, if 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 they're going to be educating young people or society on you know the umbrella term black history, right? What what are they to call it? Ghanaian history? Or... No, it's it's to be it's to be it's to be honest from the from the. From the get go, mm -hmm. rather than trying to like like uh, we've this is almost like feeling like you've painted a masterpiece, but it's got a little mistake. So I'm gonna edit that little bit and then paint over it. I'm like, no, we need a new canvas. We're <laughs> starting again. That's the only way. It's world history, and okay. all of those stories are framed within it. As I said, like there is so no, what are you saying? there's no white what? history month. There's no, there's no, there's no okay. other color history month. There's no yellow history okay. month. There's no. So what you're saying, right? That we should possibly take away black history and just incorporate what they would call black history into general learning yeah and to, into the general you know what, what what's out there in society yeah okay fair enough like as i said like i don't you think I, that there needs to be some kind of focus on us uh, given our history but, but again what history are you talking about what what history our history our who the history of the Jamaicans. <laughs> the history of the, the, what, what history is... This is what I, I mean. I, I, it's not, it's, it is so... There is no way that any other group of people in the world would allow mm -hmm. their history to come down to how you look. That's just... This is it's bullshit. Like, your history is nothing to do with how, how you look. Our history is to do with all of the lessons that we've learned along that path. I am not... I am not, like, in any way embarrassed about any part of it, of my history. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that means... When, when they teach history in school the way that we learnt it, the history of black people as we're taught it uh -huh. starts with like, you were like like savages, like running around like, you know, fires, which you don't need just like figured out until we came, dragged you away, like gave you like, you know, infrastructured uh -huh. work, yep. like, you know, uh, for a couple of hundred years before you came here. And that is how they would frame it. And it, of course, this is the reason why you then feel disenfranchised. You're like, Fuck this class! I don't want to learn this. I don't want to do this bullshit. But if, like, you know, rather than when they're starting in those history classes at school with, like, you know, w William the Conqueror mm. and these great names of people who, like, yeah. you know, of English and this yeah. the Saxon king who did this and this the first Duke of Normandy who he weren't the first to do nothing, mm. bruv. He mm. did he did mm. nothing for the first time. And even now, when I understand the history of those stories, those first Northmen and those people, they came and learned everything. In From Africa. Africans, well, exactly. Yeah, the first course. university before any of the universities in Europe in was in Timbuktu. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. All it is is that the history that exists currently is not history. It's a lie. And so if the history that was told was true, there isn't any need for black history because we are integral to the real history. We're integral to all history. <laughs> and so it's only because they're lying about that that it makes... And then... I'm trying to think of an analogy that would be good. If I was to steal something from you but then give you a present, you're not, not going to be thinking about what I stole. You're going to be thinking about the present. And so we're all thinking about, oh, but they've given us Black History Month. I'm like, yeah, because they've stolen the rest of our history. And like, that, is, that is the point. World History Year is what we need. Not, it's it's basically... World um, history. history. History exists every single moment. Do you know what white history is? Every single day, we call the day Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We, we, we celebrate their old gods. January, the God of, February, March. Yeah, we, we celebrate their old gods. We celebrate the, even the Gregorian calendar. Like, you know, like I said to you at the beginning of the year, because 
it only exists because of uh, people who have named themselves into this. Like mm. July and August are named after two Caesars. Like don't, yeah. don't, there is no reality of like, no, but it's this time of the so month. So there's I'm no like, need what, what for month? White History Month. No, they, they, no. They, they got history unlocked. The fact that we call this year 2017 <laughs> or 2018, sorry. Like, why, why did years only start 2018 ago? 2018 years ago? I mean, to, to paraphrase, this is some of Louis C.K.'s material before he got, like, like, blackballed. But he was saying, when white people are saying we haven't won, he goes, just get the fuck out of here. Every single day is a day named after, like, Christian stuff. Every year that we celebrate, the reason why it's called that year is because it's the year of our Lord. Everything is, we live in the history and we live in history. And for us to believe that we can extrapolate ourselves from history and then see it as an abstract third party thing that we can learn about as opposed to, be, as opposed to being right. immersed in it. Let's be real, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to reach that point anytime soon where our history yeah. is part of the bedrock of normal lessons, normal teaching, normal everyday life. So until we reach that point, don't you think that we need some kind of focus as to what our history has been, that it is omitted from general everyday society and people's understanding. Unless you're saying, until we become strong, can we not recognise ourselves as victims? Well, how do you become strong if you keep on recognising yourself as a victim? Who says that black, black history has to be... Because it's a portion to us, like I explained previously. Oh, you're talking... Okay, Black History Month. Okay. Or just... Yeah. It's given. Black. Mm. Black is a given name. Yeah. In Africa, we are not black. We don't call each other... There is no history of the black. Black is only our oppositional name in this imposter culture. And so as long as we keep on putting imposter culture ideologies on pedestals, we are encoding ourselves in victimisation. That's just my belief. Can we have a moment of silence? <laughs> All I know, yeah, is that one, once I figure my way into Wakanda, I ain't coming back. <laughs> oh, bro, yeah, yeah I, I like your reasoning. I like your, your your arguments. I would, however, think that until we do reach a point where you know our history, our past is on par with that of the dominant culture, there you need to kind of spot, shine a spotlight. And you and you believe you can get there with it. You believe you can get to a place that, might, of parity without ethnic sovereignty. No, bro. You might like ignite some cure through educating people and mm -hmm. shining a spotlight into a dark place, mm -hmm. right? You might ignite curiosity among the population for them to go off and do their own research and whatever, and that would then put you on the path, the journey towards being on par yeah i hear that i mean and the thing is as well i do i often hear when i talk to people i i hear so many people within our own community who have no belief in our community like and i'm like believe in them more you know like they're not so stupid as to without a black crutch they will fall away mm -hmm. if people are actually ex you explain that what you're looking for it's been inside you all the time, like mm -hmm. basically. It's not external. And I know, again, it sounds like some, like, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, like, Osho or Paolo Coelho or Ayanna Van Zandt or some kind of, like, he's been all mystical. But it's and, true. But it is true. It's and true. I, I, I believe that I am living testimony to that. And, again, not in any, I've lived, like, you know, uh, like, you know, some, some privileged uh, life where I can stay in these kind of, 
uh, blue sky thinking like mm-hmm. mentality. No, I've I've but done I've done I've done I've done more road than most people. But within that, basically, I never forget that like I am a soldier. And the thing is, as a soldier, I remember the badge for which I fight, and that badge is not black. Fair enough, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. I think we should move on. And, you know, I'm, yeah. not, do- I'm not doing this gracefully. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm literally just drawing a line under that. Disgracefully. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's let's touch on our final subject. I get heated, man. I get heated. People are gonna learn this, man. I get fucking <laughs> that's, heated. No, that's good. That's good. See, when, when when Jay finished saying what he just said, he just cut his eye at me, turned away, and then took a sip of his water, and that was that. Tea, bro. That was my tea, <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. That was my tea. Like water's done, man. This is tea time. Receipts. <laughs> cool. All right. So, a final subject. This week, I think it was actually on the second of February. Um, Big Nasty is like this uh, UK grime artist rapper. He's a personality. All right, I Big Nasty. Tight, think, yeah. He's a personality that came through popularity through his music and whatever. He put out on his social media, okay, let's see. On the 3rd of February, he put out, went to Eton College yesterday to talk about class difference, epic, another step of bridging the gap, right? And on his Snapchat, You've got Big Nasty, his, his, his face, um, and then he turns around and you see uh, a, a very large room full of white people kind of clapping at him as he's um, gesturing with his hands and doing... Use, oh. use, using UK grime, like, colloquialisms and idioms, right. really. Just, like, lean, yes. leaning into the... I get for want of a better term of the culture Lean, right. leaning into okay. it okay um, and it was it was a couple of weeks ago he appeared on uh, was it the BBC News doing the weather yeah, did you see yeah, that yeah yeah did I, you see that I, I saw I saw I saw that it happened but I didn't bother watching it so my thing with Big Nasty right I love the fact that he is himself I love the fact that he's true to himself and he doesn't put on an act for anyone. He is who he is unapologetically in front of whoever his audience is. True. Right? The problem here now with his newfound celebrity status, being invited to Eton and, you know, being invited onto, I think it was a BBC or Channel mm-hmm. 4 or something like that to do the weather, is that these people, I feel, aren't appreciating him. You think they're laughing at him, not with him? Yeah, I think they're laughing at him and that's the problem for me. He's, he's almost like the, you know, the mistral. Yeah, I hear that. The thing is, like, I, do you know what? This this in many ways touches on the conversation that we are having about the H&M. It's just like, do you believe that a paycheck is enough to mitigate the, the, the wider ideology surrounding like the decisions that you make in the public arena right because i do you know what i've i've seen as well this this big nasty uh like kind of narrative has been creeping up for a long time because i've seen they ask him different questions in a barber shop they ask Mm -hmm. him like you know are interracial relationships cool Mm -hmm. or He's he's become very uh, memeable. He's become he's, he goes he viral is. with his comments, and the reason why is because yeah, I mean, 
He talks it real as he it is for real. him. I don't think he's putting on no, an I, act. I do not believe he's, he's putting totally on an act. He's totally real. Of course, of course. He's and got the same kind of uh, attributes that Stormzy has, well, I, in, a, in a way, well, in that I, he just well, talks to things real. Well, I, I, would, I would actually compare him to Johnny Vegas. Do you, okay. know, do you know the comedian Johnny Vegas? Yeah. From the PG Tips adverts and stuff. Uh, and, uh, all right, monkey. All right, monkey. He's just... He's just in essence, he's, he's the fat Geordie, right? Or he's, he's I don't know if he's Geordie. He's he's, a, he's from the northeast. I know that much, and he's. Uh, mm-hmm. In essence, he's just like he's he's funny from for being like a bit fat and a bit slow and a right. bit. But he's made that into his his thing. It, yeah, and the thing, thing is, he, and when more you more love to him, more ex- power well, exactly, to him for well, doing exactly, that. Exactly, because it's smart to be able to monetize right. like whatever is your your trope, your your way of being. So right. so I have nothing but respect for what he's doing for himself mm-hmm. uh, uh, and everything. But I just see the danger similar to, I think, four or five years ago, it might have even been longer, when Jeremy Paxman uh, and then they got Dizzy Rascal on to Newsnight. Oh, I remember basically. that. I, that and I, I cringe as well, bro. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? Why always I watch whenever I watch. Because Dizzy Rascal's smart as well, but he didn't portray himself that way. Well, the thing is, as well, one thing I would say is well, he did in some aspects. No, no, he but... did. And the thing is, Dizzy is he's more than smart. He is he's iconic, and he is a large part of why I've ever wanted to mm. write lyrics. Listening to him and Wiley back to back, Sidewinder, like mm-hmm. fifteen twenty. Them, the, these guys mm. were just like electric, mm-hmm. so good. But again, it is using people for it's a almost like entertainment because yeah, what, what I was going to say is that in that instance when they got Dizzy on I know that the, what the content what the show yeah. is about but yeah. what I'm saying is that for something serious mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you they wouldn't pull on like you know some buffoon white comedian to, to laugh at in that situation and all I'm saying is that in situations like that this is not Dizzy, Dizzy his job is to not isn't to talk politics with Jeremy Paxman on Newsnight. Right. That's not his job. His job so is to, he was but I'm like, put there almost for the entertainment. Yeah, like his, his. Exactly, exactly. Because what they're doing is they're they're riding off of the celebrity of their name mm-hmm. to laugh at them by putting them into situations that are foreign to them. Right. Now, yes. I, now what, yes. I, what I would ask them, yeah, the, where they have been put all these times, that is my arena. Let's see if you'll bring me there, basically. Bro, why, did, why didn't they bring Akala there? Huh? Has Akala... I don't know. Akala, Akala's done Oxford. I'm not sure if he's done eating, but they do. And obviously, as well, Akala's keeping it moving with his, like, you know, his Shakespeare, like, hip-hop. Mm, like, mm, mm. But what, what what you will notice, though, is, like, even the fact that you didn't know that is because it doesn't go viral. Because right. the people who want you to see it, like, you know, for example... I have been having a lot of important conversations like the ones that we have here mm. with a lot of people in a lot of powerful places for a lot of years, but no one knows who I am because these conversations are not the conversations that powers and it's that not, be. And it's, and it's not go... framed as entertainment either. Yeah, yeah. This, this is what I am doing is what, what people call rabble rousing mm-hmm. or what I am doing is like, yeah, in essence, uh, like, yeah, race baiting or they, mm. they, they call it a whole load of things. But in essence, it's like you're causing trouble for the powers that be in the system, because I am speaking truth to power. I am not laughing at myself in the face of power and letting right. power have me as part of its joke. Okay. And that is what is going on here. But the thing is, if you play to their playbook, you get paid. If you do the playbook, you get paid. And the thing Just is, like you, a good minstrel. We, you, exactly. We live in a world where being paid is, 
is so important. It's so important because you need to put food on the table for your children, your mums, your dads, your whoever. Because we live in a, again in an environment where I find that within our communities, African and Caribbean, but I would say particularly Caribbean people in this country, our generation, and even like from maybe ten years down. We are not the ones who are now moving into our second or third house because mum and dad bought the first one. We're mm. the ones who are helping our mum and dad with, mm. the, with the debts that they still got from before. Mm. Whereas I find that the cohorts of so many other ethnic groups in this country have had such uh, success. And that success is always is underpinned by culture and cultural, like... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say supremacy, but cultural, not, not even purity, but cultural uh, understanding. Uh, because the, the the Indians, for example, they came here not too long after us in their Windrush generation, but they came and obviously they still speak their different dialects. Mm -hmm. They still came and cooked exactly the food how they made mm -hmm. it until mm -hmm. like now, what, 50, 60 years later, the national dishes of this country are stuff like a balti pie mm -hmm. and a tikka masala. Mm -hmm. And the Indians, though, they are still in control of their own food industry like the curry mile in 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 manchester and all yeah, of the places it is the, the businesses and the ownership of their culture is within their ethnic group they come from a slightly different history from us they, and, it, and again you know? this is what I, what I point to which is why i had to separate africans from the caribbeans because mm -hmm. although we're all black we have a very different history think yeah. of your african friends here how much more successful are they than your caribbean friends well there you go Exactly, and there the thing is that uh, what well, I mean, you're saying there you go, but I don't know whether or not that. No, is, no, I, I, no, I agree, I agree with you, what you're you saying um, about yes. the, the, the politicization of I don't, black. I, yeah, all I know, I, I, what I would say is that out of like fifty black people that I know, like you know, in this country, like uh, who were work, who have got professional jobs, mm -hmm. I would say, when I say, and when I say professional, I would say now at my age, anyone who's thirty five plus. Mm -hmm. I believe you should really like be past middle management. You should probably be sea level by now. Like, At thirty-five. Oh, uh, <laughs> bro, you're pushing it a bit there, man. That's like if you started in your thing at 21, 20, well, again, what, it depends. Well, no, what, one thing I'll say to, to that as well. I will yardstick that against my uh, European friends. <laughs> Why European? Oh, well, no, it's because obviously, <laughs> obviously within that there are my friends who are Ashkenazi Jews, there are uh -huh. English people, there are uh -huh. Polish people, uh -huh. French, American, They're, and again, they would never accept me conflating them as just like- White. Yeah, yeah. They're all, like, they're all, they're all very different and their yeah. approaches to their different businesses are all so different. Yeah. But they have achieved a lot of those things and a lot of them are now, you know, because what I'm saying with that sea level is because a lot of them, not only passed that, they now own their own firms and they now employ people okay. at, at that age. Okay. Uh, where, whereas, I do not know many Caribbean men in particular. Caribbean women, mm -hmm. they obviously are more, they, they, they have so much uh, more, I think. Be careful, be careful. The thing is, all it is, I've, I've got so much praise for, for Caribbean women, but yeah. I don't want it to be at the behest of us as, <laughs> as, as men. Are but, you saying that they're more driven in that regard? But it's not even that they've they got more, more fire in their belly. It's not, but I think, like, do you know, it's not even that, I think that, and again, just from the understanding of our, of that particular slave history that a mm -hmm. lot of us have got in the Caribbean, is that while, like, you know, the men were been the bucks broken out yeah, on the yeah. field and stuff, yeah, yeah. the women were carefully watching 
and learning and understanding how to play masses game to make sure that Definitely. their children can be protected and their family can be protected. Yes. And so our women, they have um, uh, uh, almost like, they are sole survivors of and, that. And they've of, carried that with them. Exactly, that and they've carried it all that time. And again, not to say that our women are only women of struggle because that, all it is though, that they have bodied that struggle and they have made that struggle into something beautiful. And mm -hmm. through that, they are able to sometimes in the society, like, through another week of caucasity, another week of having to kiss their teeth, another week of, can you believe what this person just said to me in my office? Another week of, can I touch your hair? Exactly. Another week of being called up to HR because you decided to not straighten your hair. and <laughs> like, like, But they can just back it and back it and just keep on doing it. Whereas uh -huh. I find that with us, uh -huh. a lot of the guys, it is, yeah, that, 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 that buck I mean, that they make out, that as soon as someone like affronts our pride or affronts us in some kind of way in the workplace, mm -hmm. it can come to a uh, it can come to an impasse straight mm -hmm. away. That is like I ain't working this fucking dickhead yeah, place no okay, more. And okay. regardless of whether or not we we kick up in the office in front of the HR or we just leave and never come back, it, what I find is that Caribbean men are mm -hmm. uh, it's very I I have found it more rare that mm -hmm. they would have stuck to ten to fifteen years of of corporate work mm -hmm. and that they're now like, oh yeah, I've been I've been at like yeah IBM or I've been at like Grant Thornton now for 15 years and now I'm blah like it's not their experience because okay. also as well, like word to my mum with her experience at South Bank University, black people do not get the same rate of appraisal and the same rate of recognition for your work. More likely you'll go to a, a team meeting, your idea will be like similar to how it works in the world at large co-opted and everyone else will be like that's our idea and yep. you get no credit for it yep. and that yep. will also just keep on like beating you down mentally as well like you know that lack of recognition because what actually promotes people through their careers and promotes excellence and autonomy is always intrinsic motivation is far more than the extrinsic like you need people to validate you you need your boss to go well done you need all that like basically and we just don't have our own businesses our own systems and infrastructures that allow for that behavior within it all right, so I don't know how we, I mean, what, what you're saying is completely valid and true, right? Mm. We stepped away from the big nasty. We stepped away from it because- what, what I'd be interested, he said that he spoke about class difference. I mean, I, I would be genuinely interested to sit down and, and watch this lecture. I hope that someone filmed it and that it can go out there so that, uh, you know, because I, I, I just have a feeling that it was put there for entertainment purposes for these people, right? And I hope that wasn't the case. I hope he was able to give a serious seminar and actually... Do you believe that though? I don't believe, I don't believe it, but I hope that I'm wrong. Well, the thing is like, I hope, I hope that you're wrong. I hope that we're both wrong, but you're in a, a room of people who they get told on a regular basis, like we were talking about that intrinsic motivation, that room mm -hmm. of people. Sometimes Mr. Dodkins, even in our little school, <laughs> would, say, would say to us, <laughs> even in a little school I'm like calling that. calling out names. Oh my God. Even like he would say to us, like, you know, you guys in this top group of science are going to be like, you know, the future business owners, leaders, and those guys down in like the lower groups, they're the ones who are going to end up working. Imagine they're saying that to us in our school. What do you think they've been so talking So you're saying school? that these guys have been kind of schooled with a certain school of thought, of course. right? And they're naturally going to be looking down their noses at him. Of like, course. who is this you're, you're big black you're guy? You're entertainment only. You do. Right. You know, and like one, I would, I would almost guarantee as well the metrics by which people at Eton, Marlborough, Bryanston, any of that kind of school. 
All right. So yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking at this, this again, right? That room, you know what you're looking at in that room? You're looking at future kings, future prime ministers, future CEOs. And we're not only talking about in this country, we're talking about in other countries. Right. These are, this is Davos. This is Davos Jr. you're looking at in, in Ethan there. And now if you think about Davos and what it stands for and what it does, can you imagine Big Nasty going and doing a talk there? Right, or because right, they're I'm the youth. At, look, I'm, I mean, you is don't it? judge someone by the way that they dress. Right, I'm not but these that, guys yeah. are all, all. I mean, all these white people. There's two black people sitting at the front. I don't know. There are, who, the thing is, who, as well, who they are. There are, there are a lot of rich Africans who go to the school as well. I, I don't. I don't think that these guys are students. Okay. These ones that are sitting at the front. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a it's a massive room full of white people, booted and suited, and big nasties there wearing a t-shirt and a gold chain and just fulfilling. He's being himself, but as far as the audience are concerned, right. He's fulfilling a, a absolute stereotype. Yeah, and the thing is, he's there. Like what I was going to explain to you before was that the metrics by which education is, are, are measured in the West, like we all know, which is a large part right. of the reason why we fail in schools and stuff, is mm-hmm. metrics to them are measured on the expansion of your memory, the 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 the, the breadth of your vocabulary, uh, and your calmness under. Pressure. Uh, under stress. pressure, basically. <laughs> the sti- stiff upper lip. <coughs> it's basically stiff upper lip, being able to speak like this and being able to talk down to people all and the time. And take it on the chin. And take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you think that those are the the, cl- uh, the the specifications that are needed, Big Nasty came along just for jokes, basically. He came, he can't, he can't, he does not have the vocabulary that even the kids in that room will have because of what, it, and it's not to say mm. that he's less smart, no. but the metrics by which they are controlled, what makes you smarter right. than the black man, what makes you smarter than the others is the English language. It is your ability to use the language to your power and to your, you know, however you want to use it. And I watched on The Crown when Winston Churchill or and other prime ministers they go back to talk to because in essence, yeah, David Cameron will, off, will obviously be going back to the talks at his old school, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. you know, and remind everyone in the class, like just remember, like me, you can mm. like you know, after here, one of your friends will be mm. like Boris was my friend. You go mm. same uni, run the country together. Mm-hmm. You, you, you guys in this room will choose what happens in the future of this world, and they're reminded that regularly. Now all of a sudden, like some big like black dude comes in, like you know. Looking like, like, yeah, he, he, as you said, he actually almost looks in his movement and his presentation like the early black caricatures from cartoons. Right. Like, but all those things will, will have been purposely factored in, in the decision to, now, I also know in my experience of, of talking at schools, I'm a youth ambassador for Made in Hackney, a charity. No, you don't do anything. Remember, you're unemployed. You don't do nothing. <laughs> But in, <laughs> in my remit as like a, as a youth ambassador, I go and talk in schools uh, and colleges and stuff too. But what I find interesting when I've talked to some of the teachers afterwards, they like, oh wow, because they expect it to be the usual story of like, yep, yeah, was in a gang, went to jail, now I'm out, and like, yeah, I want to come and tell you guys like about how like you know I did street, but now I'm good, and you can. I'm like, it's the only story they want to hear that you are all bad, yeah. but like, our system has rehabilitated you, yeah. and now we are going to give you an opportunity to have a a, a a second like chance at life, and that narrative is is everywhere all the time like whenever you see like you know like young people black young black males in any way being invited to have an opinion piece on something like london tonight uh the news or anything 
is always that story. Like basically, it's always a story of like, oh, this guy used to working at, or now, now he's starting a boxing club, or now he, it's always something physical, always something yeah. musical, mm-hmm. and always based on a, a previous experience mm-hmm. of uh, institutionalization, whether or not it be like mental, hospital, or mm-hmm. prison, like basically. Yeah. yeah. And he will have fitted. Like you know, it, again, at their level, they don't they don't necessarily need to know that you are so much less that you've come from jail. You're so much less already. Yeah. So just by like, walking in, just there. by walking in, you're so much less already. Uh, and and so yeah, to, to to me, I just I look at all of that and just like I I I do not like you know I do not in any way like you know look down on him and there's more respect to him. And what it is good at doing though is regardless of whether or not it means that they in that room and people continue to see us as a joke. At least they're seeing us. That's a start. In like the way that you said, if we're ever going to get somewhere, somewhere starts with something. Even if it means to stop crying, that's already progress on. Barling in the middle of a room, yeah. basically. So it's progress. People like somebody from the grime scene was invited to Eton. It is a progress. It's some progress, but it just depends in which vein it was taken. Exactly. So we exactly. just have to see. I think, guys, on that note, we're going to wrap up for this episode. Thank you for taking the time to yeah. listen to our ramblings. On thank, yeah, th- thank you, thank you again. Yeah, as I said, I was, I was, I was heated today, but <laughs> I rode my bike here to come and record with Darren, and, and that's like a seven and a half mile ride, and it is cold outside. So, so my oxygen was high today. So, guys, just um, remember to follow us on socials. Don't, oh, we didn't set up our Facebook. We haven't set up our Facebook, but we're on Twitter. Our Twitter is the main place. Yeah, yeah. Come and hit us up at Twitter. the Black Box UK. Twitter, um, Instagram as well, at, yeah. at the Black Box UK. And hashtag at the Black Box UK as well. If you want to ask us any questions, throw anything in there as well. And guys, if you've got any like suggestions, if you like our content, if you don't like our content, um, any ways for us to improve, anything you think we should drop out, anything you think we should add in, if you think Joel talks too much and I don't talk enough or, what, <laughs> or whatever, right? Just um, drop us our comments so that we, we, we know where we're at. So, yeah, once again, thanks, guys. Peace. Bless. Thank you.